KMTT, Kimitzion, Tetzei Torah, Ruchim Abayim, Shalom Uvracha. Today is Wednesday. This is Ezra Beck, another episode in the series of Shiurim on the philosophical and ideological implications of Akedat Yitzchak. In previous weeks, specifically last week, I developed the theme that basically states that in the act of the Akedah itself, the act of sacrificing one's son, there is no intrinsic value. When talking about the Svasemes, so I explained that the Svasemes' point, that there is Yirat Hashem in the Akedah, and no Ahavat Hashem in the Akedah, is because Ahavat Hashem refers to the attitude, the connection, the identification of Avraham with what he's doing as a good thing. As something which has value, which you love because it's worth loving. But there is nothing to love in the Akedah because it's evil. And therefore there's only Yirat Hashem. The value of the Akedah is not intrinsic, but is extrinsic. Yirat Hashem is a necessary component of Abraham Avinu's personality. And Yirat Hashem means doing things because God has commanded, even if you don't understand it or don't identify with it, which is an important midah, an important trait for the human being. And in Avraham Avinu's case, that could only be developed by giving him something which it was impossible to identify with. But there is nothing to identify with in the Akedah. This is based, as I think I mentioned, on a Midrash. And I will repeat the Midrash today and the Gemara's explanation of the Pasuk that the Midrash is based on. Because what I really wish to discuss is a Midrash which I suspect might be saying the opposite. And I would like to uh, at least examine that possibility. But first the basis for what we said in the past, the Midrash on the Akedah in Parsha Nunvav, the end of uh, Otchet, uh, is talking about Avraham Abinu's post-Akedah demand of God to explain how this could possibly be, and God tells him, I never told you to do it. I told you Alot to raise him, but not to, but not to kill him. Uh, as I pointed out, I, I, I think there's a bit of irony involved here. Abraham Abinu was not meant by any possibility to understand God's demand as God now claims he meant. What I think the Midrash is saying is that God says, I didn't really mean it. I told you to do it, but I don't lie. And the, the, the Midrash begins with the Pasuk, God said to Abraham, Abraham, Lo ahalel briti fati lo ashaneh. I will not desecrate my covenant. And the utterances of my lips, I will not change. In other words, even for the purpose of the Akedah, God says, I won't lie. So, But I didn't lie. I, I told you Laha'alot, to raise him, not to sacrifice him. It's coming to protect the the nature of the covenant, the nature of God's words. But of course, what God had, in fact, meant for Abraham Binu to do, was to perhaps misunderstand, if you could call it that, and to think that he's supposed to, supposed to slaughter him. But then the Midrash continues, uh, by quoting, or, or concludes by, quote, by quoting, Hadahu dichtiv velo alta alibi This is what is written. God says, Yimayahu yutet. It never arose on my heart. That is Yitzchak. This is a reference to a midrash, a gemara, which is found in Ta'anit Daf Dalid, which states the following. Gemara there is discussing, among other things, the story of Yiftach, who apparently sacrificed his daughter. There's another case in Tanakh of someone who sacrificed Mesha Melech Moab, the king of Moab, when facing a war against Edom, had taken his son, his Bechor, his firstborn, and sacrificed him on the wall. 
and they were under siege by Edom. And on the walls of the city, the besieged city, he sacrificed his son to his to his God, who is a Bodazara. And the Gemara states as follows Vikhtiv, Asher Lot Siviti, Velo Dibarti, Velo Alta Alibi, Pasuk in Yumiao, chapter nineteen, is is talking about the terrible things the Jews do. It's a chapter of Tochacha, of rebuke. It mentions how there's a well known valley in Yerushalayim, next to Yerushalayim, called Gei Ben Hinnom, which is the source for the um, the word. It's found in Chazal. Gehenom. Gei Ben Hinnom, the valley of the son of Hinnom. It was, that was its actual name of a geographic place. But in that valley took place the sacrifices to the god Molech, where once again people sacrificed their children to Abadah And of course the Torah forbids the sacrifice to Molech and forbids it in an extreme manner, not just that it's Avodah Zarah. It doesn't appear in the chapters about Avodah Zarah. Molech appears in the chapters of Toivah, of abominations, of Toavat Mitzrayim and Toavat Kena'an, who sacrificed their children to the Molech. And so the, this Pasuk in Yemiyahu says, you do these terrible things, you, you even sacrifice your children, Asher lo tziviti, velo dibarti, velo altalibi, which I did not command, nor did I speak, nor did it even arise in my heart. Asher lo tziviti, the Gemara says, Zeb beno shel Mesha melech Moab. The son of Mesha, king of Moab, I never commanded that he should be sacrificed. Shen emav, ikachid beno habachor, asher yimloch tachta, vayaleo ola. Velo dibarti, I never said it, ze yiftach. That's the story of yiftach who had pledged to sacrifice the first thing that came out of his house and it turned out to be his daughter. Lo dibarti, I never said he should do that. That's not a command of God. Velo al-talibi, ze Yitzchak ben Avraham. When never rose in my heart, that's Yitzchak ben Avraham. Why is that the appropriate explanation for this part of the Pasuk? Because you couldn't say, Lo tziviti, velo dibarti. God could not say that he commanded Avraham to sacrifice his son who never spoke it. He did speak it and in fact he had commanded it, but lo al-talibi, it wasn't my inner intention. And this I say, this is the source for the approach that I try to develop, that basically the Akedah itself, the inner content of the Akedah, to sacrifice one's children, to sacrifice one's son, is a fraud, it's a bluff. God is pulling Avram Vino's leg for a purpose, for a very important purpose. But nonetheless, there is no value whatsoever, al-talibi, it never even occurred to God, it's not even a habamin, it's not even a possibility that one should sacrifice one's son. There's another Medrash found in the Medrash Rabbah, which I suspect says the opposite. And although one can claim that I'm misinterpreting the Midrash, I myself am aware of a different way to interpret the Midrash, I'm basically interested not so much in whether the Midrash says it or not, as in exploring the possibility itself. An earlier Midrash, in Perik Nun Hay, 55.5, chapter 55, Ot says as follows, quotes a different Pasuk, Pasuk found in Micha. Very famous pasuk, we, we read it as part of the Haftorah to Pashat Balak. Bama Ekadem Hashem, Ikaf Leloke Marom. The prophet asks, how should one serve God? What should I do? What should I forward? Ekadem Hashem. What should I give to God to show the what? Show them an obey Hashem. What is, in other words, what is the proper way to serve God? And the Navi asks, Hayirzeh Hashem Ba'alfei Elim. Does God desire thousands of sheep, tens of thousands of libations, of donations, of oil? 
Ha'etein b'chori pish'i Shall I give my firstborn For my sin Pri vitni Chatat nafshi The offspring, the fruit of my Of my of my womb Because of the sins of my soul And of course the pasuk continues And says, no, that's not what God wants God desires from you justice and mercy and walking modestly before God. So the Pasuk itself could be understood, perhaps should be understood, as as agreeing 100% with what we said in the past. Someone might ask, does God want us to sacrifice our children? God says, no. I want you to be good people. Sacrificing your child isn't good. But in truth, that's a difficult explanation for the Pasuk because of the first part. Does God wish thousands of sheep and tens of thousands of streams of oil? The answer is, well, yes, more or less. Although the Pasuk says no, but, and often, in fact, this Pasuk and others like it in Tanakh have been have been raised to show that sacrifices are not the proper way to serve God, but but we know that's not true. It's an important part of the Torah. So the real meaning of the, the Pasuk, the way Chazal would understand it is, do you think that simply by bringing a sacrifice you can take care of things? The answer, of course, no. The, answer, the real answer is the, is the personality. But but yes, as part of developing a good personality, there is also something called Avodat Hashem Bekobanot, the service of the God with Kobanot. So what about the end of that Pasuk? Shall I give my firstborn for my sin? So the Midrash says as follows. This Pasuk, which is a question that the Prophet asks in general, be Yitzchak. It's talking about Yitzchak. Even though the action wasn't performed, Avraham Avinu in fact didn't slaughter or sacrifice his son, but God accepted it. God accepted it as though he had completed the action. Although this Pasuk seems to be referring explicitly to Mesha, the king of Moab, who said, Shall I give my firstborn for my sin, the fruit of my womb, for the sin of my soul? Although the Pasuk appears to be talking about Mesha, it's really talking about Yitzchak. Why is that? Because Yitzchak, even though he didn't do it, it was accepted as though he had done it, and Mesha, it was not accepted even though he had done it. God was angry at Mesha, but was pleased, had accepted what Abraham Avinu did. I think there's more than one way to explain this Midrash, but I suspect, or at least I want to raise the following explanation. What the Midrash is saying, is that although the Pasuk appears to be speaking about Misha negatively, there is a hint in this Pasuk to Yitzchak positively. In fact, Yitzchak was not sacrificed, but God valued the action as though he had been sacrificed, implying what? That there is a positive content to the sacrifice of, of one son. And the amazing thing is that Avam Avinu didn't even do it, but it's as though he had done it. But that assumes that there is, in fact, a an ideal to sacrifice one son. Mesha did it, but but did it wrong, and, and it was and it was rejected. Avam Avinu almost did it, and it was accepted as though he had completed it to the very end. And as I as I implied, the reason for this interpretation of the Midrash would be that, in fact, the pasuk of 
הירצה השם באפי אלים בבבות נחל אישה מנתן בכורי פשעי פרי בתני חטאת נפשי, the answer has to be yes, God wants sacrifices, we know he does, it's a פסוק לטובה. And the continuation, מה השם לוקח הדורש ממך? כי אם he only wants other things, it's coming to add and not to replace. So whether that's a correct interpretation of the פסוק or not, or how to interpret this פסוק, I, 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 I'm not interested. I'm interested in what the Midrash says. The Midrash, to me, appears to be saying that there is a ultimate ideal of bringing thousands of sacrifices, tens of thousands of streams of oil, and of giving away one's firstborn and the fruit of one's womb. Halacha lamaisa, in practicality, it's not demanded of you. He who did it, the evil king Mesha of Moab, is denounced. But Abraham Avinu, who came close to doing it, is not only, is not only uh, 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 applauded, but in fact, God views and accepts his actions as having completed themselves. Abraham Avinu is, should be viewed as one who, yes, sacrificed his son, and that's wonderful. And God is pleased. And that's in fact the ideal. And so I understand this Midrash, as saying the opposite of what I said last week. The Midrash is saying that there is intrinsic value to the sacrifice of one's child. And we take a five-second break to allow the F-15 to pass over our heads. This is to remind you that, indeed, we are in Israel. And uh, jet fighters do fly over the yeshiva occasionally. Okay, back to the Shia. I want to explore this possibility. I am not sure that I agree. I'm not sure that it's shot in the Medrash. And if it's shot in the Medrash, I'm not sure that I, that I agree. But I wish to explore the possibility. The Rabbi, as I pointed out a few weeks ago, says that from the Akedah we learn the limits of Avat Hashem, and the answer is that the limit is unlimited. If God, if it would be, if it would be proper to sacrifice one's child for the love of God, then you would do it. And I think that's really the point that the Midrash is making. Everything we do can have a price. There's a halachic sugya that asks, what is the limits of the price that one pays in order to mekayim mitzvot, in order to do mitzvot? So for instance, for a mitzvah say a positive commandment, like eating uh, matzah and Pesach, or, or hearing shofar and Rosh Hashanah, or taking lulav. So the halachic answer is, there is a monetary price which limits this mitzvah. You don't, spend more than one-fifth of your income or your uh, available available uh, uh, money to perform a mitzvah. If there's a shortage of etrogim, and the only way you can get etrog is to spend, depends on what one-fifth of your available cash is, but you have to spend $10,000 to buy an etrog, and you have $10,000, that's all you have. So actually you don't do it. You are patur from the mitzvah. A mitzvah lotas, eh? A, a negative commandment, like not eating uh, unkosher food, or, or Shabbat, doing Malachah and Shabbat. So there, the uh, level is much higher. You would spend all the money in the world to prevent oneself, to keep from having to transgress a prohibition. But there's still an upper level. The upper level is death. You don't die. You don't sacrifice your life in order not to eat uh, 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 pork. You don't sacrifice your life in order to be Shomer Shabbat. That's what we call the din of Pikuach Nefesh. Call of its Shabbat Torah as Ya'avov al Yehareg. 
Pikuach Nefesh, mortal danger, it sets aside all the mitzvot in the Torah. Except for three. There are three mitzvot which the price is even higher. That's idolatry, incest, and murder. There, Yihareg V'al one sacrifices even one's life rather than transgress. So we have this halachic sugya that places a upper limit on the price one pays to the Mekayim Mitzvot. Intrinsically, is there anything so valuable that one should not sacrifice it for the love of God? I'm using the Ram's terminology, even though as I pointed out, the, uh, the Pasuk speaks about Ramavina as being a Yirei Hashem, a fear of God rather than a love of God in this Pasha. But in any event, for the service of God, is there something that is too valuable to give up, to sacrifice, to contribute in the service of God? So I think we all understand that the, the proper answer would be how much money won't hold you back. If, of course, if it demands, if the service of God demands, if the love of God demands that one should give up one's car, one's house, one's season's tickets to Madison Square Garden, then, you know, God is more valuable. God is more important than those things. And that answer suffices for perhaps for most people, but, but, but for many people, there are more valuable things than cars, houses, and floor-level seats in Madison Square Garden. For instance, there's your child. Why is a child more valuable than a million dollars? Not financially. A new, a new sports car costs $300,000. Children cost a few hundred dollars a week. They cost less, but they're more valuable because there's certain unquantifiable value factors here. In other words, to us, a spiritual individual, it could be that that money is worthless. It could be the cars are worthless. But the children really have real worth because the human beings, because the son of the king, I'm speaking in Jewish terms now, they're in the image of God. They're, 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 they're the value. They represent the value of, of love, of connection between people. Shechina b'neim. Those are all spiritual values, true values. They're values. They make, what is values? They make things valuable. To the extent that your children are valuable to you, would they inhibit, would you keep them rather than serve God? So this Medrash is saying that in those terms, I'm not raising the question of whether or not it's permissible to kill one's children. See, that's a question we spoke about in the past. I'm saying now, if it came down to a choice between one's child or God, in the same sense that you had to choose between your comfortable way of life, your car, and God, and there you would choose God, what about if it was your child or God? Are children so valuable? And I stress the value we're speaking of here now. Spiritual value. Real value. Uncontestable value. Nothing to make fun of. The value of the love of a parent for his child. The value that's called family. Would you refuse to give that up, that possession? I'm using the word possession in order to equate it with our previous cases, but I'm not using the word possession negatively. I have something of value. It's important to me. For good reasons. Is it so important that it would take precedence over the love, the fear, and the worship of God? The Medrash says intrinsically no. In other words, if you are truly a servant of God, if you are truly one who worships God, if you truly have ideals which you love and fear and revere, then there is nothing in your personal life that is so valuable that you should not give it up for that ideal. Now I want to explain the way I understand 
the principle that I'm trying to develop here. This is independent of the question we spoke about in the past. In other words, it could be that as part of my ideals, my love of God, my worship of God, I don't kill. So now a contradiction is created. But I wish to separate the contradiction into its logical parts. Forgetting about the moral prohibition of killing, which by the way is no different between killing one's child or killing someone else's child. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the value of love of children. The much higher value that one places on one's child than, one, than on one's car, I hope. But simply in terms of the fact that I'm attached to this, that it's important to me. Would I sacrifice those things that are important to me for God? The Rav Fashim, uh, most apparently I think Rabbeinu Bachya, who when discussing the Akedan, they wish to stress whatever he is giving up. So they don't talk about he's giving up, as I spoke in the past, he's giving up his morality. He's giving up his, his love of his child. And therefore the Pasuk begins by saying, Et bincha, et yichidcha, asher ahavta, your child, your only child, the one who you loved, Yitzchak. As God is setting up Abraham Avinu, you're giving up something which you love very much. Baruch Hashem, thank God. I'm pleased about the fact that the thing that Abraham Avinu loves most is not his, I don't know, his horses, his lovely tent, his grand mansion of a tent. The thing he loves most is his child. But still, you're in, you're in that that stream. Is there anything that is so valuable to you that it takes precedence over the love of God? And the Midrash says no. And it says that's the uh, heights to which Avraham Avinu reached that he was able to say in truth that everything is subject. Everything is inferior. Everything is secondary to the love and fear of God. Now we know because of our previous discussions that it won't ever come to that. God won't ask you to kill your own child for the love of his name. Among other reasons because God is opposed to the killing of children. God never would ask such a thing. I, I agree. But that's not my point now. My point is, are you so attached to your child that you wouldn't give him up for God? In other words, there are two questions here. One is basically a psychological question, and one is a, a, a ethical question. The ethical question we spoke about in the past. But the psychological question, how much am I attached? How much do I value for myself these things? Is a different question. Someone who won't kill for God, is it because he thinks killing is ethically prohibited, and therefore he won't do it no matter what? And I have a whole explanation which I presented in the first year that says... And he knows that God doesn't want it. Or he won't kill because it's too difficult. Because it'll hurt him too much to do it. If you won't blow up, let's say God asks you to please blow up your house. You won't blow up the house because you have, a, you have an objection to blowing up houses. Or because when you blow up the house, you won't have a house and you don't want to suffer that loss. Is there any loss too grievous for us to do it, for us to sacrifice, in the meaning of the word sacrifice, give up for the sake of God's name? And here I think we can distinguish between these two factors in our relationship to our children. It, there's an ethical value in children, and there's a personal value in children. And the Adrash is saying that the ideal of Alam Avinu's life was that even his own child, something which, because he's a good person, not a bad person, is the most valuable thing in his life. There are people who could probably sacrifice their children without a second thought, because other things are more valuable to them. They would say sacrifice their children for their career. In order to get a, a, a spot in a good movie, as an actor, they would sacrifice their child. So they're, they're, I think that they're misleaded. 
misled. They, they don't understand the true value of things. But aside from that, okay, they've made a choice. They're saying this is worth more than this. Okay, what about people who would sacrifice something very, very important, say their careers, the chance to, to do something important, but for their families? So there I think it's a proper thing. Families are, I think, my opinion, families are more important than, uh, something very, very important, I don't know, uh, inventing a uh, machine that could help a lot of people, inventing a better tractor. Family is more important. What about God? What's more important than God? So here, I think the answer is, this answer does give me a bit of a shudder, but I, I intellectually know that it's the right answer. Here I agree, it is what the Midrash is saying. God is more important than family, than children. Now, we have to remember that although Avinu was asked and was not asked, he didn't have to fulfill, but it doesn't always work out that way. Amazingly enough, there are people who sacrifice in one way or another. Yes, they're children for God, and they have no way out. There's a period that describes Chana Bishivat Baner, the story of Chana and her seven children, where when Chana basically sacrificed her seven children so as not to bow down to an idol. And the period says, she says, look at Abba Mavinu, he only was asked to sacrifice one child and didn't even do it in the end. Whereas I have sacrificed seven children and I've done it. Similarly, we know there are stories from the Crusades and there's a, a, a it's one of the Kinot Anicha, where uh, the Jews are besieged, rather than have their children be taken forcibly and baptized for Christianity, so they slaughter their children. And and then they say, we're better than Abba Mavinu. Sometimes it really does come down to it. The question is a question of what's the most important thing. God should not ask for it. I don't know why it could possibly happen. Why didn't he save those people? It's another question. But in fact, the, the value decision that if it is in fact demanded to choose because our world is complicated and, and things don't always work out the way they should. The good is one, and therefore it should only be good. But we know that in reality, in our world, for reasons which we're not going to discuss now, sometimes there are conflicts of values. A versus B. If children versus God takes place, what are you going to choose? In terms of the value of the matter, the Torah, in fact, demands. Abraham Avinu's was life demands. That everything should be subject to God. I'm saying, I shudder when I say this. When people disagree with this, when people find this absurd, when people find this even horrible, it's for one of two reasons. The first one makes me shudder, but I know is wrong. The second one, is what I'm a little bit unsure about. The first one says, is humanism. It says, I don't think so. I think the value of my child is greater than any other value. Sometimes we come across this and say, in films or something about a person, he, he was engaged in some monumental struggle, for, for good, for ideals. But the price is terrible. You know, he's fighting and fighting and fighting and, and people are getting killed. And in the end, so what does he do? At some point, he retires. He says, the struggle, it's an ideal, but it's taking too great a price. I can't think of the movie now, but I, I, I'm sure there's a film like that. The struggle is too great. Whatever, and, and hopefully he's fighting for something which we agree is an ideal, not that he's fighting for something stupid. Right? So he's fighting for democracy, he's fighting for, for freedom. But the price is too great, and therefore at some point he says, it's not my battle, it's your battle, I have to take care of my child, I'm going home. So what he's saying is that the value, the humanistic value of family, of love, of love of one's wife, of love of one's child... That, in the end, I made a mistake. That takes precedence over some great ideal. So I understand that claim. Therefore, when they say that God takes precedence over that value, the humanist, 
And we all very much subject to humanistic propaganda and, and, and we inculcate a lot of its ideals. The humanist says, no. Not that he's saying, I don't think God wants it. He's saying, it can't, it, I, I make a value choice. I'd rather, it's more important for me to stay home with my child and, and the great cause should fail. Even if the great cause is, is God. God's name, God's love, God's fear. So that, although I say it makes me shudder to think as a parent, and I know and pray also that God won't even demand such a thing. In fact, I know, because this also comes up very often, you find people who, for the cause of God, sacrifice their children. Right? It's, it's rabbis or machanchim. And, they, and they're, they're, they're so dedicated to spreading God's Torah that they've sacrificed their children. So I say they're wrong. I don't think God wants that. As part of what you have to do in the world, you have to take care of your children and take care of other people. But suppose, suppose it happened, because as I said, the world has conflict. It's not so simple. So intellectually, I know the answer is that nothing stands. Nothing could be so valuable to me that I wouldn't give it to God. There's a second criticism here that's not the humanistic one, but the ethical one. And that says, and here, I, I don't know if I can agree with the Midrash, assuming I've interpreted the Midrash correctly. That one says that to serve God by sacrificing one's child cannot possibly be service of God. It's it's negative. It's an abomination. Abomination, I mean the word to'ivah that appears in the Torah while discussing the molech, when discussing sacrificing children. It's not serving God, but perhaps not according to His will. I'll give you an example. Uh, if you build a altar in your backyard and sacrifice a, uh, you know, an animal, or sacrifice some wine to God, I think it's a positive thing. That shows you devotion to God. It happens to be awesome. You're only allowed to sacrifice in Yerushalayim when there's a Beit HaMikdash. You cannot build a Mikdash in Barapak, although many people think they can. But they're wrong. It's us. So that's misguided devotion to God. It's, it's, it is devotion to God. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a value. It's wrong for technical reasons. If one builds an altar and sacrifices not a sheep, but a child, is that like building a Bama, building a private, a private altar? A good thing, but not what God wants. Or is it, no, it's an evil thing. It's not a value at all. Someone will claim, not that I, I would rather take care of my children than serve the great cause, which I think is incorrect. But he would say, it's not possible to serve the great cause by sacrificing one child. You corrupt the cause by doing it. So that's a claim that I have more difficulty in rejecting. And, and my hand shakes the MP3 that I'm speaking into quivers when considering that possibility. I think, although I'm not sure, but I think the Medrash is raising that possibility that Avram Avinu has an accomplishment, a real accomplishment when he sacrifices his son. If you recall, sometimes it appears mostly in Tefillot, the expression, but it appears from Chazal, Yitzchak. God remembers and has mercy on the Jews because he remembers the ashes of Yitzchak. What are the ashes of Yitzchak? Not the ashes of the sheep who replaced Yitzchak, the ram who replaced Yitzchak, but the ashes of Yitzchak. So there's a Midrash which says that, in fact, the Aminu did sacrifice Yitzchak, God brought him back. In other words, it's important to get to the end. So here, our Midrash says, he didn't get to the end, but God considers it as though he had gotten to the end. Yes, there is a real value in this end. And someone can object in saying, there can't be a value in the end. The whole psychological analysis that I did. Let's just separate how much you value your son from how much your son is valuable objectively. Perhaps that can't be done. Perhaps it shouldn't be done. 
I attempted to say that if you don't sacrifice your child because you love him too much, that's wrong. If you don't sacrifice him because he is a value and it's prohibited to destroy children, that's correct. So I might claim the whole analysis is incorrect. You can't distinguish between my love of my child and my and my love of the good. And therefore, it's an abomination to serve God in this way. So here I think the Midrash is saying that it's not. It's it's not an abomination to serve God. Mesha Melech Moab also had a good Havamina. He just, he just ignored the fact that it was prohibited. You, you can't carry it out. But, but the desire to serve God in this way, the acceptance that this is an ultimate service of God, the Medrash says that is correct. Someone can claim, no, this is not the service of God. People have claimed even that's the message of the Akedah, which I think is an incorrect interpretation of the Akedah. That this is not the service of God. Not because God doesn't want it. God won't ask of it. But because it's simply improper. That's a criticism that I understand. I think the Midrash is saying not that way. And something I think we have to consider very, very seriously its implications for ourselves. Of course, we will not be asked by God to do such a thing. Even Abba Mabina wasn't asked to do it. But the question is, internally, what holds you back? Do you, in fact, place limits on what you're willing to do for God? Because it will cost too much. The way that the house, loss of the house, would cost too much. So would loss of one's children cost too much? Don't pretend that you're answering the ethical answer. I won't slaughter my children because it's asa. That's a good answer. But the Midrash asks, are you in reality giving the personal value answer? I won't sacrifice my children because I want them too much. Is that something which is the price you're not willing to pay for the love of God? And if that's true, then this major is saying that you're wrong. Avraham Avinu's ultimate accomplishment was that he was willing to pay that price and that should be the ideal for us even if we pray and believe and are assured that it will never come to it because of God's love because of God's love for us and because of the way the world is run. That's it for today. We'll be back next week with more about the Akedah. Kultuf.